head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. Shout out to our podcast audience this morning as well, growing around the world. Uh, you might not be aware, podcast people, but your app almost certainly has a share function in it. And if you've been benefiting from our podcast uh, and you know someone that you think they actually might benefit too, you can just probably tap a couple of buttons and uh, send that to them. We encourage you to do that and get this uh, great news around the world even further. This is a series uh, we launched last week called You're Not the Boss of Me, and it's, it's a how-to series. And the big idea is how to say no to the emotions that compete for control. And we're going to take four or five weeks to, to unpack some of the big emotions that maybe are competing for control in your life. And when I say competing, meaning Jesus wants to be the boss of you and some of these toxic emotions want to be the boss of you. And this is one of those cage matches where two people enter, but only one person leaves. And the question is, who's it going to be? Is it going to be the toxic emotion that's the boss of you and me? Or is it going to be Jesus? He wants to be first place. And in fact, he's made it possible for, for, for him to be first place. Some very uh, brave uh, Maybe naive, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, uh, organizations occasionally conduct a survey and the survey, it's like an anonymous survey and, and the question they ask is something I- I- along the lines of just asking people, what would you do if you knew you could get away with it? it it's, it's, it's saying, you know, if, the, if you could at least temporarily, live in a world with no consequences, (laughs) what would you do that you haven't done up to this point because you knew there would be consequences? And, and, And here's the thing. You can find some of the responses by asking the internet. Don't, okay? I did and I regret it. Uh, It's terrifying what some people anonymously have answered this question by. What would I do if I knew I'm going to? Terrifying. So please, under no circumstances, ask the internet this question. Please, for your sake. I love you too much to think that's a good idea. I took one for the team and uh, I may never be the same. <laughs> because what this does is actually the answer. It actually reveals what's in our heart. See, if you've come up with an answer, even just in this time, we say, well, actually... That was not a new idea, that was already in your heart. It's just that this question kind of gives permission for you to let that thing surface for a moment. Oh, that would be great. (laughs) Because that's how life works. The stuff that comes out of us is actually first in our heart. It's it's not a mystery. And that's why, anyone heard the, the cultural advice Follow your heart. It is a terrible piece of advice because some of the people you know, you know what's in their heart and you know if they followed their heart, it would be mayhem and destruction. So here's my thing to you. If you wanna follow your heart, 
be careful what's in your heart. Because if there's toxic stuff in your heart and you follow that, you're going to end up with consequences that are birthed from the toxicity. Especially, by the way, when you're under pressure. You know the people that they're like, kind of like nice and normal and likable, and then some pressure comes and they do something and you look at them and you think, boy, that was out of character. But, but the reality is, no, it wasn't out of character. It, it, it was there all along. It just took some rough waters for that thing to come up to the surface. It just took a little bit of, of pressure for that thing to be squeezed that was already in there. That's why job interviews are almost worthless because everyone can kind of ace a job interview. Oh yeah, I'm always good. I'm the best employee ever. Oh, you, 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 you do the company a favour by, by employing me and you, know, you wear nice clothes and you, you, you probably have a shower before you go there. And you, you, know, and you get the but, but But the real test of whether you're going to be an asset to the company is when you're under pressure. Because that's when we're going to discover what was in there all along. You're not going to discover it in the interview. Hey, if you're not married yet and, and, and one day you want to be, listen to this when it comes to dating. Because Mr. Nice or Miss Nice, they're going to be nice when it's smooth seas. But, but put a bit of pressure on and then watch and take notes and be ready to swipe the other way and never meet them again. Because... because because the, sub, the stuff that will come out under pressure, it was already in there. And they just kept it hidden until one day they couldn't. So our goal, and, I, and I'd put this out there as far as our hearts go, is to clean the toxins out and then keep the toxins out. Because they do have a nasty habit of knocking back on the door of your heart and saying, I used to live here. Mind if I come back in and old habits reappear and old ways of thinking reappear and think, oh my gosh, I cleaned the toxins out, but I forgot to keep them out. Idiot. Both of those matter. And one of the toxins, and this is the one I want to drill in today, (laughs) is guilt. Even the sound of the word is kind of like, ew. And this is how I define guilt very simply, and you kind of get this. The emotion associated with acknowledging we've done something wrong. Not the emotion associated with doing something wrong, because you know people that have done something wrong and never felt guilty about it, because that's what makes them a sociopath. But this is the emotion that's associated with acknowledging that we've done something wrong. Guilt. Things that we've said we shouldn't have said, things that we did we shouldn't have done, things that we didn't do that we should have done, things that we didn't say that we should have said, and we come away from those experiences carrying... Guilt, and really there's two types of guilt. There's the guilt that we, we, we play on repeat in our head. We, we replay that thing. We replay that moment. We replay that conversation. We replay that thing that happened. We replay that thing that we did. We replay the thing that we didn't do. And what happens over time is that that guilt that's associated with that, with that action, with that thought, with that word, it, it starts to define us. And we start to think of ourselves as guilty because of that thing. And then there's another type of guilt, and this is the guilt that we try to kind of push down, sweep under the rug, and well, you know, we, we kind of know it's there, but, but we don't really want to tackle it. We don't, it's ugly. 
it doesn't make me feel so good. And, and, and that's a type of guilt that we like to deny. But the reality is if we don't deal with what's causing us to feel guilty, it will define us. It'll become the boss of us. And so I want to get into that today. And you guys know this. There's a metaphor for guilt, and I, and I, I can't go past it. Guilt is experienced as a weight. Does that make sense? And we, and we actually have that concept baked into our language. I'm carrying the guilt. I'm feeling the weight of that. And in fact, if and when you ever deal with something that's causing you to feel guilty, it's quite likely you'll say something along the lines of, I feel like a weight has been lifted off me. Guilt is, 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 is felt like, like a weight, it's experienced like a weight, and, and, and with it, we actually carry it everywhere we go. In fact, we carry that guilt into every sphere of life. The, the guilt, the, the episode, the thing, the word, the conversation, that might have happened in the workplace, but you will carry that into your marriage. You will carry that into your parenting. You, it, it, it goes with us everywhere we go. And what it then leads us to, and we've been taught this as a society, is if you're guilty, you need to be punished. You need to be condemned. And so the knock-on then is, is, is to feel condemned, to be convinced that we deserve to be condemned. <clears throat> But if you're in that space or you've been in that space, you will know that feeling condemned is a very, very dark place. So here's the question. What if it was possible, no matter what you've done, no matter what it was that you said, what if it was possible for that weight to be permanently removed from you? Sounds good, huh? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, I like it. Jesus kind of specializes in things that sound too good to be true. That's why I follow him. The guy that predicted he was going to die and rise again and then he carried it off. I'm like, I'm going with that guy. So if you've got our app, I'm going to take you to a slice of a letter that a guy named Paul wrote, and let me talk about him in a moment, to a church in, in Rome, uh, a city, maybe you've heard of it. Um, and there was a church there, and, and he wrote this letter to them about this idea of guilt and shame and condemnation and just, just maybe, maybe what Jesus made possible, that, that defining you or you having to deny it are not the only options available, that there's actually a third option, an option made possible by Jesus. Now, let me, let me give you a little bit of, of a backstory. This guy, Paul, he wrote this letter to the church in Rome. He probably had reason to feel more guilt and shame than anybody that he was writing to. In, in fact, in fact, it may be that he had every reason to feel more guilt and shame than the entire church in Rome combined. That if they added all their weight of guilt and shame up and he put his on the table, that, that actually 
his would be heavier than theirs. Because this is Paul's backstory. Paul kind of made his uh, living and became quite famous for killing Christians. That was his job. He was a Jewish religious leader, very zealot kind of religious leader. And, and he went about trying to stop this new way, this new movement, these people that were following Jesus. And when I say stop, I mean he would be the one that would order them, these followers of Jesus, to be imprisoned, to be tortured, and in some cases killed. Men, women, children. That was his job, and he was good at it. And he took great pride in being good at it. And then one day, he had an encounter with Jesus, the risen Jesus, that changed everything about him. Well, no, no. It didn't change everything about him. It changed nearly everything about him. In fact, the one thing that it didn't change about him is it didn't change what he'd done. Those were facts. That was his job. He now went about trying to convince other people to follow Jesus. The people that he was just recently employed and very successful at having imprisoned, tortured, in some cases killed, And get this, because here's the thing. When we read the Bible, we kind of, you know, I said it last week, we put on the Hillsong Acoustic Worship CD in the background and put on a a candle and some aromatherapy essential oils. And here's the thing. Some of the people that Paul wrote his letters to, some of the people that he traveled to, the various churches in these key parts of of the Mediterranean, he would have been embedded with, he would have been writing to husbands of wives that he'd had imprisoned and in some cases killed. He would have been embedded it with and or writing to children whose parents he'd had tortured and imprisoned. Do you understand? And the thing about Paul is when he wrote the letters, the reason we know what he did in his past, the reason we know the extent of it, the reason we know how bad it was is he's the one that wrote it down. He's the one that wrote. He didn't deny it. He's like, yep, he wrote to the churches. He wrote to the mothers, to the fathers, to the sons, to the daughters, to the wives, to the husbands, to the survivors, the ones that he hadn't gotten to yet in his former life before having an encounter with Jesus and decided to follow him. And he he wrote to them and said, you know, yeah, That was me. I did all that. I did it, and I did it well. So I didn't deny it. And and God's never asking you or me to deny the things that we've done in our past. But he does provide a way that we don't have to be defined by what we've done. We can't erase it, but Jesus provides a way that we can embrace it. So let me show you what Paul wrote to this church in Rome. And this is this big thing about, man, about guilt and shame and and doing things that are less than God's best, which we call sin. Not a very PC word, sin. Who who are you to say what's sin? Look, if it's less than God's best, it's sin. I don't make the rules here, people. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. That fateful dilemma that, that we no longer have to live subject to the power of sin and death over us. I'll come back to that. And by the way, this is, I'm going to kind of just kind of swoop through Bible college again. I did it last week. Everyone survived, right? 
Didn't like too much. You're smart. I'm going to take you there again. But I'm going to take you there. And here's what, here's what I want to do. Don't just take this stuff into your head. But allow for this time that we've got left, allow it to actually become a reality in your heart. Because if it becomes a reality in your heart, that's when it's going to emerge as a reality in your life. Not just because you know it, but because you know it. And out of that, you live it. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud, no longer have to live carrying around the weight. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air of this low-lying black cloud, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. This is like imagery and, and this, is like, this is like Lord of the Rings stuff. And this is what Paul wants to, to get across is, is if you've been living under the weight of guilt because of things that you, yes, you did do them. Yes, you did say them. God's best is that you don't have to live under that weight. You don't have to carry around that guilt and shame that Jesus actually came here to, to get rid of that weight. And he uses this metaphor of you used to live with a low-lying black cloud. And maybe that metaphor makes a lot of sense to you if you've been feeling and living with this sense of guilt and shame. It's like, boy, I can't get everywhere I go. This flipping thing follows me. And you're like, and, and, and Jesus said, yeah, yeah, you can't get rid of that, but I can God says, you can't get rid of that. You can't run from it. You can't escape it. It's going to follow you. So I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to send my son Jesus and he's going to clear the air. And by making Jesus your boss, you no longer have to live with guilt being your boss. That's great news. And he went on to write, Paul, this is Paul. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. No, in his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity, that's you, that's me, in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it always was by a fractured human nature, could never have done that. Stay with me here, people. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin, instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver, is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. All right. Just kind of try to hold the pieces of your skull together for a little bit longer. This sounds maybe a little bit like, whoa, this is some serious Bible college gobbledygook. I mean, it's so impressive. I have no idea what it means. That's why I'm here. Let me break it down. Here's what laws do. Whether, whether it's a, a country, a state, whether it's, in this case, the, the Jewish religious leaders, this is what, here's what laws do. Laws actually are a bar. That's what laws are. Laws are a bar that, that somebody or some group or some political, whatever it is, some system, they've, they've decided, they've determined that for this particular aspect of life, here's the bar. 
They call it a law. Here's the bar. And the way it works is you're fine with that bar until you decide to live below it. And then if you get caught, you're not fine. You broke the law. So the law says, most countries around the world, don't kill other people. And here's the thing. If you don't kill other people, that's fine. That you're unaffected by that law. But if you decide, for whatever reason, to kill somebody, what you've done in that moment is you've actually decided, I'm going to live below the bar. I'm going to go lower than this law says I should. And then you get caught, and then you get condemned. You did the crime, now you're going to do the time. And I'm grateful for laws. When I drive in Australia on the left-hand side of the road, I'm glad that everyone else is doing the same thing. And it's not necessarily because they want to. It's because the law says they have to. And we love that. One thing, so there's a place for law. But what Paul's trying to get to here is the law has limits. And the main limit of the law is the law doesn't restore. The law catches, the law highlights, the law says this person went below the law, broke the law, and then they're going to get punished for that, but the law doesn't restore. And what had happened up until Jesus coming to earth is that people tried to live to please God by keeping the law, and they never could. We can't, they couldn't. Because the bar was pretty high. And so they would fall below the bar and they would feel guilty and they would carry the weight of that guilt on their shoulders. And then they try to kind of do some rituals and do these things and wash this and, and don't say this and, and, and go through it. And, and, and it didn't actually restore them to a life before they did the crime. And so they carried the weight of the guilt. And God, He knew it. He knew that was the deal. He knew that, that they and the same for us couldn't restore. The law can't restore. And so God took matters into his own hands and he sent Jesus so that Jesus would take on our sin. It's a pretty big deal. But he didn't just take on our sin. He took in our guilt and our shame and our condemnation. Because here's the way it works. We're still in Bible college. Here's the way it works. God promises that when he forgives you, so this is my recommendation, the thing that you know that you did wrong, that was less than God's best, ask God to forgive you. And here's what he promises. If and when you ask him to forgive you, here's what he promises. He promises that he will. He promises that he will forgive you. He, he, he doesn't say that you'll forget it, but get, the, get this. He actually promises that he'll forget it. <laughs> and so, because God doesn't just forgive us, he also, he, not us, he forgets it, 
it's erased from our record, you can't be found guilty anymore. Because from God's perspective, you're not defined by that anymore. Jesus made that possible. So, man, Mark, I'm telling you, this sounds too good to be true. Yeah, I know. I don't want to follow a God that isn't, doesn't sound too good to be true. If I can get my head around God, why would I follow Him? Might as well be God myself. That's how smart I'd be. There's this stuff that blows my mind. It's like, wow, wow. God sent the only thing He had one of, His Son Jesus, into this world to die on a cross and promise that His mission was by Him shedding blood, that that blood, if you want to, is available to you to actually wipe away the sins, wipe away the guilt, wipe away the shame, wipe away the condemnation so you and I can live free. Now, hot tip, whatever it was that you've asked forgiveness for, don't keep doing it. Well, well, I I should because I can just keep getting forgiven. Like, probably the reason that God said not to do it in the first place is because there are, whilst He will forgive us, most of the stuff that He says, don't do that, most of the stuff where He says, here's the bar, don't go below that, most of that stuff carries toxic consequences. So here's the thing. And that's why this stuff even, actually, I won't say that. Editing on the fly. Don't keep doing it because it's actually damaging. I mean, yeah, but I'll get forgiven. Yeah, but you, you keep doing that thing that's damaging you or you keep doing that thing that's damaging your spouse or you keep saying that thing that's damaging your kids. Or you, so, so, so ask forgiveness. And this is Paul, and you can read this slice of his letter to the church in Rome. Dial it back to chapter 7. Read through the end of chapter 8. You'll see Paul's talking not just about God giving us the power through Jesus to be forgiven from our sin, but also the power to stop living under that sin, that it no longer has a stranglehold on us, that we can live free not just of having done it in the past, but we can live free of having to do it again and again into the future. So I want to do two things just as we wrap up today. The first is I'm, I'm going to ask you and give you an opportunity to make that decision to follow Jesus. This is all available to you, but it's us to make the decision to say, Jesus, actually, Jesus, I want you to be the boss of me. And if you've never made that decision in a moment, I just want you to put your hand up. And when I see your hand, you put it down. I'll pray for you from up here. Things won't get weird. And then I want to pray for a second group of people. And, and that's the, those of you here this morning that you actually came in here carrying some weight of guilt and shame. And, and I... My prayer for you will simply be that God will cement in your heart this morning the revelation that you're set free. And, and, and I hope that this, if this is what you need, that this is breaking news and that you actually walk out of here having had that weight lifted off your shoulders. So the first question that I'm asking is if you've never said yes to following Jesus, I want to invite you to say yes to him this morning. Just put your hand up. I see your hand. You can put it down. And then I'm going to pray for you. Okay. 
Awesome. You could put your hand down. It's great. Let's pray. And say these words after me. I want us to all pray. And some of you, most of you, I know have prayed a prayer like this before. That's great. Uh, you don't have to get born again, 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 again. <laughs> but let's pray actually to, just to be standing in solidarity as a church uh, with the person that lifted their hand this morning. So say these words after me. Dear Jesus, today I decide to make you my boss, to follow you. I thank you in advance in this moment for your forgiveness. I present to you my past and I thank you that I'm not defined by it. And I commit from this day forward to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, how about we celebrate that person that lifted their hand this morning? Fantastic. And then, and then finally, uh, it's been a kind of emotionally uh, unique morning, and thanks for hanging in there with me. Uh, let me pray for you. If you've come in with that weight, you might have to go back out of here and deal with the consequences of what's caused that weight. Understand that? It's like, final thought. Because here's how this doesn't work. Just final thought, then I pray for you. But, but listen to me. Listen. Everyone listening? Good. Listening faces on. Good. Here's how this doesn't work. All right? This, this, this doesn't work. I said that toxic thing. I did that toxic thing to them. I'm now in my nice little bubble at 61 Alexander Road, Rivervale, row three, seat six. And, 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 I, and I'm asking Jesus to forgive me, and I know he does, so now everything's good. That's not Christianity. That's you being a jerk. That's you being, no it is, that's you being a coward. That, that's you thinking that God's mission is just to make your life better. But you, you've done some damage and there's some, a trail of destruction behind you. And so here's how this does work. You listening? All right. So you said that toxic thing. You did that toxic thing. You know about it this morning. You're carrying the weight of that on your shoulders. You came in here. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, why do I keep doing that? Oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, I feel so guilty. Oh, I feel so much shame. Oh, it feels like a weight's on my shoulders. It feels like a dark cloud's following me. Oh, man, Mark, mate, this, this has changed my life. This, well, thank you so much. You're incredible, true. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, oh, so, so here, here I am, row three, uh, seat six. Jesus, forgive me. Okay, thank you. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to the person and I'm going to ask them to forgive me. And I'm going to go back to them without qualifying. I'm just going to say, you know what? When I said that thing, I shouldn't have said it. When I did that thing, I shouldn't have done it. Would you please forgive me? Because here's the gift that you can give them in that moment. They may, you may have given them the gift of bitterness when you did that thing to them. And by going back without qualification and without excuses, you may be able to actually pick the lock in their life and set them free. So it's not just about Jesus setting you free, though he 
has, does, and will, it's also the opportunity that he can use us to set someone else free. So you think about that. We're not going to check in on you, but you think about that. But let me pray for you let me, as we finish. God, for those of us, and you, they know the reason, and you know the reason, and we're not, it's not going to be confession time at Elevate Church in the next 60 seconds, but in our hearts and in our lives, those of us that have been carrying the weight of guilt and shame for whatever it is, and for however long it's been, in this moment, God, we commit to you and ask for your forgiveness. And we thank you that you promise to forgive us and that you promise to empower us that we no longer have to not just live under the weight of guilt and shame, that we also don't have to live with whatever it is that we did or do or said or say being the boss of us, that Jesus, you and you alone are the boss of us. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.